Happy New Year. Yeah, same year. Did, did you make it to midnight? Oh, I made it till 1 a.m., guys. Jeez. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch Mariah Carey outdo Ohio State in failing yesterday. <laughs> For the record, I know that this is a thing whenever something like this happens. It's fun to make fun of the person. Like, everybody lip syncs at this thing. Somebody screwed up. <laughs> like, listen, I have no particular love or but, dislike of Mariah Carey, but this could have happened to anyone. It's just unfortunate that it happened to her. <laughs> well, a whole football team tried to lip sync a football game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and happy 2017. We started this podcast way back in 2015, so for the three of us to have already been publishing episodes in all or parts of three separate years feels like a pretty big deal and accomplishment. And with the dogs finishing strong in their bowl game and it being the end of the holiday season, we're feeling pretty cheerful for this episode. So thank you the listeners of this show, for continuing to tune us in or to download our episode. We greatly appreciate it. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you are indeed listening to episode 76 of the Waitin' Since Last Saturday podcast. Now that all of the Mariah Carey references are out of the way, my co-hosts Tony Waller and Will Leach can help me break down Georgia's 31-23 victory over TCU in the Liberty Bowl. Also in this episode, we touch on some of the dog's most recent recruiting victories. And stay tuned to the end as I read out one of our newest iTunes reviews. And it references the Chris Farley, David Spade classic, Tommy Boy. That's what you get when you listen to our show. You get Georgia football, Mariah Carey, and Tommy Boy references, all in a 30-minute span. It can, only go, it can only go up from here, right? Anyway, here's Will to kick us off. Scott, where did you watch the game? So I watched it with Tony over at Tony's place. My one son's nap and did nothing else, mercifully, uh, like no no unleashing uh, of the diaper in Tony's bed, uh, while the other one uh, ran around and yelled Nick Chubb every time Nick Chubb got the ball. Yeah, I watched it at my house. Uh, my wife was gone, and I had my boys here and my daughter, and I didn't get to really pay that much of attention to it because my daughter was coloring, and she wanted some help with that. And then we had about three or four neighborhood boys knocking on the door. And I'm answering the door saying, why aren't you watching football? You know, <laughs> we have priorities here. And my boys, to their credit, declined their invitation to go play because they were focusing on the Liberty Bowl. And, and well, and Will's son has zero chill because we were trying to watch a game on delay. And he was like literally right before we're about to sit down, he comes running in, George is winning. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing to us? Come on, man. Yeah, well, William has not learned to ignore the scroll. He is <laughs> yeah. very scroll obsessed. Well, I mean, he's four, so I guess he can get a pass. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. He's uh, uh, but, but yeah, so I have to say, though, once we got actually caught up to the game, I enjoy that. One of the things I said to Tony during the game, and you know, I know there was, there was a lot of discussion, including from uh, – former band members of REM uh, about some of the play calling this game. But I was telling Tony, particularly when they made that, f- that fake field goal, I kind of like bowl game Kirby. <laughs> like I kind of mm-hmm. like roll the dice guy. Uh, you know, one of the, I think a lot of people were frustrated with some of the uh, conservatism uh, that we saw from play calling and really across the board this year. I know it was a bowl game, but like this is what I want to see out of a bowl game. I want to see a team be like, you know what? We're actually playing this game to win. It was clear to me watching the game. We could talk about the execution and the talent levels between the teams. But for me, it, it was very clear. You always talk about with bowl games, it, you pick the team that has more impetus to win, that has more desire to win, that means more to them to win. It was clear that it meant a lot to Kirby Smart and Georgia to win this game, and I thought that came through. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it's, it seemed very clear to me pretty early on 
even with some of the play calling that uh, he decided, you know what, I'm not wearing Dockers today. I'm going to go with the Bass Khakis. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's a bowl game and this is special. It's different. I, but you know, again, this is the game plan. That if you think about the game plan from the 40,000 foot views, the game plan, we've kind of wanted to run all season. We just manhandled them in the second half. And it's, you know, I, this is going to, this is a boring, boring, tedious way of watching a football game. But that's what Alabama did last night and it's or yesterday afternoon. And it's, it's what Kirby knows. And um, it was pretty cool though. And I, I was, I was pretty happy to be right about something. It was a guess, but you know, the Isaiah McKenzie thing, that was, that, I think that was huge. What the fact that you said he was leaving or the fact that you said over a hundred yards. Uh, yes. Well, I think ba- both are both? big in the scheme. Of, <laughs> both are big in the scheme of things, but uh, Hey, he got seven touches, 105 or six or seven yards. Um, 103 of those receiving. It's, I mean, he was kind of the spark. You know, the thing that I think sparked uh, the team, at least in my observation, was the uh, announcement of the four juniors coming back. Because if you watched all four of them, they all played with that fire that you don't typically see in a bowl game. I mean, Lorenzo Carter was all over the place. He had seven tackles and a sack. Uh, Sony Michelle, really the play of the game that kind of set the tone was his dancing down the sideline touchdown where he rolls over the defender and into the end zone. And then you were worried about Nick Chubb, but then he becomes Nick Chubb and takes off the Clark Kent glasses and puts on his cape in the second half. In a lot of ways, this was the Nick Chubb game we've been asking and waiting for since North Carolina. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, think about how much different this game feels too. Like if Nick Chubb has this game, and announces that he's leaving or hasn't announced yet. We're wondering if this means something about him leaving. Think about how different that is watching it now where we know he's coming back. Like it feels what could have been almost an elegy for not only what Chubb gave Georgia, but what Chubb could have given and what could have been to see that game and realize, oh, right, we get both of these guys back next Mm -hmm. year. It was, again, you always talk about how you want – a game, a bowl game to give you the extra practice time, but also spur you into something exciting for next year. And and uh, there are a few things that I thought were discouraging heading in, but to me, the, the overarching takeaway was like, holy crap, we get Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle back next year. And you know, this was a lot, you know, one of the frustrations we've had with some of the play calling this year uh, was just, it just it didn't seem to match uh, the personnel in a lot of ways. And I think in the first half, it, I think there was still some of that. So says Mike Mills. Uh, but in the mm-hmm. second in the second half, I do think that that's the kind of offense that we were looking for this year. Yeah, and I think that the important part of that to me is that we actually looked pretty confident blocking. We had talked about whether or not Eason would have one of those go-off games, and he didn't look sharp. He did not. Uh, no, he, he didn't. He, he, uh, we, we actually, Will, you and I talked about it. He sailed a lot of balls. He never really felt like he got comfortable in the pocket. Um, even when he had time, it didn't feel like he got comfortable in the pocket. The one really long pass he threw was well overthrown. So, uh, you know, I'm, it does make you feel a little better about what you have to do, uh, what you have to, to figure out for next year, knowing you're going to have, you know, three quarters of your offense or rushing offense back or more. You know, and I think it's important for us to know. I've seen a couple things like, you know, so is Georgia now the, you know, the top candidate for SEC East. And it's just way, way too early for us to think in those terms because, frankly, it's a bowl game. And, you know, we started out talking about bowl game Kirby. I don't know that Kirby calls that that right. fake field goal in the no. third SEC game of the season. No, no, there's no way. But, you know, and back back to Jacob Eason, a couple of things that you've probably noticed throughout the season, he's 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what happened, but it was amazing. I think, I think Will was throwing his notes away or something. Oh, sorry, I don't know what that was. <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, it just seems like he's a little bit more accurate when he rolls the pocket or the pocket rolls or he's scrambling, you know, because that's what he hit Isaiah on that big play. It's, it's almost a contrast to him just dropping back, and it's almost like he's Matthew Staffording it. And I'm saying Matthew Stafford circa 2006 and just bombing it over the receivers. The, the touch needs to be there. He needs to work on that, which is great because he can. And I think another thing is that Isaiah McKenzie at five foot nine and 165 pounds as his leading receiver. He's going to have to have some of these freshmen step up and maybe have Terry Godwin show up a little bit more like he did his freshman year next year just to kind of help him out. You know, I do think the game we're going to have plenty of time to talk about. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie. We'll have plenty of time to talk about recruiting. We'll have plenty of talk about time about to talk about next year in the future. But I do think when we did the show uh, at <clears throat> at the uh, uh, what's the name of our the, uh, the store again? I forgot the name of the store already. I'm just giving tailgate their, Georgia. Tailgate Georgia, exactly. Great tailgate Georgia. Great place to go when you can remember their name. Uh, when we were at the tailgate, we talked about kind of our frustration with Georgia fans who were frustrated, who we did wanted them to lose in the Liberty Bowl and the Liberty Bowl is beneath us. I have to say, everything that's happened since that very frustrating game against Georgia Tech, other than maybe McKenzie leaving, has been really good news. And that goes not just with those guys coming back, but, and Tony, maybe you can talk about this a little bit too. It has been a terrific few weeks when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it got good to, today recording this on Sunday night, right? New Year's Day. And uh, D'Angelo Gibbs uh, committed today during the Army All-American game, I believe. And, um, you know, uh, there was a moment of of sheer panic when Isaiah Wilson, who is the all-world offensive lineman that's committed to Georgia, was helped off the field. But he came back in and played. It has been a very, very good month since the end of the Georgia Tech game for Georgia football. And, you know, frankly, this is the kind of feel-good stuff that gets people fired up about what you want. Now, you know, part of Kirby's charge, I guess the right way of looking at it, and again, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this in the offseason, is how do we translate some of this goodwill into getting people psyched about a tough schedule next year and tough meaning a lot of noon starts and, and frankly, an eight and five team. So, you know, that, I think those are, you, it's, it's okay to win recruiting battles, it's okay to win press conferences. And that's certainly the feel-good stories that you want and you like the, the messaging that's coming out of the four juniors coming back. But at some point, at some point, you know, you, this what happened in, during the ballgame is the sort of thing that, that really matters when it comes down to what's going to happen with Georgia football. And winning against a team, uh, granted, a team that's now six and seven, but uh, a team that it looked to me like came out to really came out to play, at least until they got – so tired in the second half of, of looking up and seeing Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb and trying to figure out which one they're going to have to stop next. Um, that, that's a kind of a good win to me. And people can say, yeah, it's just Liberty Bowl. So I'd rather win the Liberty Bowl than lose the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, and don't forget uh, defense. I mean, uh, Roquan Smith was, I think he played five positions. It seemed like he had 13 tackles. And then uh, I don't know if any of y'all caught Thompson at the end, uh, accepting his Eagle trophy for the most outstanding player, but he was really fired up on the microphone. And uh, then Kirby danced and you know, kind of did a Dabo Swinney uh, impression in the locker room. So I think all in all, it was good. And then uh, to 
kind of piggyback on what you'd mentioned about D'Angelo Gibbs committing today. Trey Bishop mm-hmm. also committed a couple hours ago. Um, so I completely missed that. So yeah, yeah. So now that now Georgia has 21 committed recruits this year, they have three five stars from Georgia and Robert Beal, D'Angelo Gibbs, and Richard LeCount. They're all on defense. So if you watch the game last night, Alabama versus Washington, you can kind of see what they're trying to get at. I mean, three five-star defensive commitments added to the guys that we've talked about, like uh, Lorenzo Carter and Trent Thompson and uh, Dominic Sanders is coming back. I mean, they are building for a ferocious defense, kind of like the Alabama defense of last year and this year and what they did to Washington. Did you guys watch the uh, the bowl games? To me, it's, it's a little bit worrisome that Alabama's blowout was the most exciting because I, I have to say, I felt like Washington, I didn't think Washington was going to win that game, but it did feel like that was a team, they were hanging with him, they were kind of being opportunistic, they were doing okay, and then, this is what Alabama does, it just takes one mistake, and the minute that they did, got that pick six, you're like, oh, this game is actually over, yep. this game is yep. totally over right now, and of course it was. Well, yeah, and that's that, that was a typical Alabama win, right? It's, it's the boa constrictor theory, you know, they... They wrap you up in a nice hug, and then they keep you very warm inside their body. Um, (laughs) And it's, but you know, that's that's exactly what happened. It's just that's, and then, wow, the Clemson Ohio is taking me. I didn't see that coming. It was, yeah, I thought there was going to be a good game. My father and I sat down to watch it, and we were thinking like, okay, this is going to be interesting. Oh wow, Ohio State, huh? There, look at look at that again. I in you know by halftime, I was tweeting like. Urban Meyer eating pizza alone, that gift, please, and stuff like that. So, um, it was it was amazing, and it's going to be a pretty interesting football game yeah. uh, come January. The well, it was, it was close last year. I yeah. mean, you know, Alabama pulled away like they do in the end, but um, Clemson, I think Clemson's got a lot coming for him. I mean, I think it's going to. You hope that it's good. I think the best thing I saw over the holiday weekend was Florida State Michigan, the Orange Bowl. I mean, that was a fabulous game, going back and forth, and even with the, the blocked extra point. And then returning it for two and only being down one, and all they needed was a first down and a couple of first downs and try a field goal, and it just didn't happen. But uh, that was one that will go down as one of the most entertaining ones of the bowl season. Yeah, um, and it's funny, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to do a show, but before before the national championship game, which I will be at, by the way, I leave for Tampa uh, on Friday, so I will be at that game. And I was like, I was at last year's game. Let's not forget. Because I say I'm really excited about the idea of a rematch. Let's not forget last year, Alabama did kind of pull away, but it was hardly a blowout. In fact, the cool part, the one major part of that game was when Saban did his fake play. He, like Saban pulled the trick play. He pulled the he pulled that great fake punt at the exact right time. And uh, so it was a, it was a fake punt. It was a uh, I believe it was an onside, onside kick. kick. Yeah, it was an onside yeah. kick. And it was an awesome call that nobody saw coming. And then once they did it, you're like, oh god, that was a perfect. Of course, Saban would would come up with that. And I and it was like the ultimate kind of Saban evil genius moment and against this like really plucky Clemson team that had played so hard and was really kind of matched him. It felt like this incredible thing was happening. And then he pulls that little card out from under the deck and knocks it out. I feel like Clemson has been, you know, we've, oh, I think we discussed at one podcast earlier this year about how Clemson, you know, had looked okay this year, but really felt like a team that was still stewing from the national championship game. It was really going to kick it into gear once they got it. What once it got late, once they kind of like played those kind of huge games, you saw that in Ohio State. That was that was a team. I can't believe the team that did that to Ohio State lost to Pittsburgh, because that, <laughs> that is uh, that was an awesome team, and uh, I, I'm pretty excited about that game. Yeah, I think this that was Pete Clemson defensive performance, and I, 
I kind of come down this way is that Alabama is a team that you can sneak up on for a series or maybe two series right. or, or they can have an off series. Um, Clemson has shown that they can have an off game and that's just kind of, you know, you start looking at, at laws of averages and I, you know, let's put aside what, it was, I, I don't think the his like Alabama's history of the past ten years has any bearing, or the game last year really has any bearing, other than you know the psyche on the psyche of the players that were there last year. You know, Clemson, if if both teams are performing at peak, Clemson wins that game, and and that's a weird thing to say. That's a really weird thing to say. You know, I I don't think Ohio State's offense is quite what Alabama's offense can be when they're operating at peak efficiency. It certainly wasn't yesterday. But overall, I think Alabama just has a little more, they have a little more defensive umph. And, you know, but if both teams play like, okay, this is the best game we can play, Clemson wins that game. Yeah. So, Will, what's the national perspective of Ohio State getting in over the Big Ten champs, uh, Penn State? Was there any kind of rumblings like, oh, see, we should have put Penn State in? Yeah. Look what Ohio State did. I feel like people that are just looking to make arguments. We, I thought Penn State was a good team, and what they really pulled off was really impressive. I still don't think Penn State is a better team than Ohio State, uh, even after kind of the way they played that game. And even if Penn State comes out and beats USC on Monday, which I do not think they will do, uh, I feel like it's weird because I understand why, say, a conference commissioner would be upset that Ohio State was was put over Penn State. I understand why, like people that want to sell the importance of a, of a conference championship game. I see why they would care. As a fan, you just want to see the best teams, and and I feel like, sure, uh, Ohio State looked bad in that game, but I really like Penn State was v- very fortunate to beat Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. They are not a team. I, again, if they beat USC, maybe we'll have a we'll have a different discussion. I still feel like Ohio State's a better team. And I, more to the point, I don't want the committee to be dogmatic in that way and just kind of feel like, okay, we have to pick the conference champions, even though this team looks obviously better. So I was glad they did that, even if it turned that Ohio State got wiped out. It's funny because I like the idea that no matter what, we were going to get kind of an interesting matchup for that championship game because Ohio State, of course, that would have been the last two champions. Now it's a rematch of last year. It is funny, though. We have we have this whole new system and there's, there's the playoff and so on, and it's still like, yep, there's Alabama. Yep, there's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Hey, there's a rematch from, next, from last year. Uh, the the Powers will always kind of stay powers. So what do you think the four will be next year, Will? Oh, uh, well, Georgia, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame, after Georgia beats them and then runs off a, a nine-game winning streak to send them uh, into the playoff. Uh, Illinois, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, and then I think it is finally, uh, I, th- I think it's finally Boise State's year. Those are your four. <laughs> okay, good. We'll mark that down. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, Tony, what's yours? Uh, my way, way, way too early. Uh, let's see. Idaho, because they looked really good. They and, did. Um, they did. They did. I, um, God, man, I don't know. I, let's let's make a reach here. Uh, Washington, because I don't think they're still going to win the Pac-12. Um, has Deshaun Watson say he's coming back? Oh, he'll probably be leaving. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not uh, Clemson. Uh, yeah, not Clemson. Uh, Alabama, because you have to. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Let's Illinois, see. Illinois, Illinois, Illinois. You know what? Illinois out of the Big Ten. Yeah, so I don't know where you came up with that, but that's a good idea. That's a good pick. <laughs> um, one other thing. Are we done pretty much? 
I think so. Yeah, I think. Okay, so unless unless they want to talk basketball, but uh, but we, I don't. Yeah, man. Well, I think you should because that was a very big win. That um, was a huge win. That Auburn win. That that because that Oxford. Excuse me. That uh, that that Oakland loss was a rough one. That was a rough loss. A game that they really controlled in the first half, but that was a rough loss. But that Auburn win was huge because it was not just huge. They were down early and they were down big, and it looked like oh, like this is not Mm going to go right. Now it's very encouraging. It's a huge game coming up Wednesday. South Carolina is one. uh, Basically, if you're looking at the uh, at the SEC, you're looking obviously Kentucky, and then Florida is up there. And really, that next kind of spot is around where you're looking at South Carolina or you're looking at Georgia. This feels like if Georgia's going to make a claim for the NCAA tournament spot and be, and you're going to have to be just the way the conference is set up, one of those top three or four teams. If this winning at Auburn and then if they can win Wednesday home against South Carolina, that puts them two very quality wins in the SEC. They get Missouri at home after that, so they're set there. They're looking if they can beat South Carolina. They're looking at a possibility of four and zero going in uh, going into game. On January on January fourteenth, that that's pretty exciting, and that really all comes out from a, a pretty dominant second half against Auburn, where they basically you know we've been they scored ninety six points. <laughs> like this is a team. I, yeah, that's, that's that's funny that you you brought that up because I was about, about to say the same thing. I was I was driving back from Bloomington, Illinois, and heard we won, and my wife Kristen said we won 96 or something or other. I'm like, are you sure you didn't see 69? Because 96 is a lot of points. Yeah, and it was for, all, they were scoring, Fox team. yeah, they were scoring at will in the second half. It was a very cool thing to see. Uh, Frazier was awesome. And Yante was, you know, th- there are those games where you're like, oh, they should just give it to Yante every time down the court. And that was one of those games. That so was very cool. You know, Auburn is not a bad team this year. And to go not only beat them on the road, but beat them kind of convincingly. Again, all road games are always a little weird around this time of year because the students aren't back yet. So it's never, you know, the, the, it, it's different to win a road game in college basketball on December 29th than it is on, say, January 29th or March 1st or so on. But, but nevertheless, a road win is very, very nice. Yeah, Tech. Yeah, I mean, uh, tech. And I don't change the subject. No, yeah, slightly. Yeah. Tech beat North Carolina. They did, and they were at, they were in Atlanta, but none of the Tech students were there, so it was like a North Carolina home game. So they kind of won on the road as well. Yeah, it, it, just like the just like Georgia won its home game at Georgia Tech. Right. Yes. But that will that and I'm kind of naive in college basketball. Will that tech win over you in a 10th ranked North Carolina help Georgia's RPI since we beat tech? Yeah, it will. It will. Uh, and again, RPI is complicated. You know, one, one thing that RPI doesn't do that a lot of people criticize RPI for is it doesn't account for margin of victory. Uh, points per, like the point, which I feel like it should. Kin Palm, the Kin Palm ratings do. Uh, but certainly, yeah, uh, that's, of course. It, it, you know, anytime someone that you've beaten, particularly on the road, has a big win like that, uh, that's pretty terrific. Uh, no question. Georgia, if we're looking at Kin Palm right now, Georgia is currently 51 in the Ken Pomeroy ratings, uh, Illinois 70, if that gives you an idea of uh, where they are. But RPI-wise, I'm going to look that up right now. Uh, RPI-wise, Georgia is in a lot better shape already. Currently, they are, he says, drawing out his syllables, 24th in RPI, which is excellent. That is an excellent RPI for Georgia. Illinois is actually 26 uh, in RPI. So, again, R- they don't look at Ken Palm. They look at RPI. That win against Auburn, if they can, if they can now avoid bad losses, they don't necessarily have to have that win over Kentucky that I thought they might. But they need to avoid bad losses and secure themselves in that third or fourth spot. You're exactly right, Scott. Wins, wins like the Georgia Tech win over North Carolina are nothing but helpful. Good. Yes, I thought so. Yes, exactly. exactly. Um, two two other things. Now that we're wrapping up, uh, we got a couple of very nice reviews. 
on our uh, podcast or on our iTunes reviews, which I wanted to read. But before I get to that, Tony, I had a question for you. Yes. Are you still there? I am. I wanted to know your 30-second reaction to what Bert did against Virginia Tech. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's clear that uh, that having an all-you-can-eat fried chicken buffet at halftime is a bad idea. <laughs> um, that was crazy. That, was. You know that was because I mean we I think we well I think Will you picked Arkansas. I, I picked I picked Tech in a blowout, and I was like when I saw the score was twenty four nothing at halftime. I'm like, oh my god, I can't <laughs> believe I I can't believe I actually said this out loud. And then you know they started picking back, and I wasn't watching that game. They started picking back and start picking back. And we got home right as it ended from the drive. And no, that was an afternoon game, wasn't it? That's when I found out. That's when I found out they had lost and and like, like had like what forty two yards offense in the second half. You just have to give Justin Fuente a lot of, of credit for. He's he's a good coach. Yeah, to be and, able to go into halftime and say, "Hey guys, we got this." <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, he's a really good coach, and 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 Bert is he is a good blackjack player. <laughs> Well, I, I I just wanted to after I saw that uh, meltdown, I had to hear what your thoughts were. So, back to the reviews. Um, we got a couple, and I posted one on Twitter, uh, but I hadn't posted this one. It's it's really good. So, Will and Tony and the listeners, I wanted to share this with you. The title of the review is "Shut Up, Richard." Uh, it's a five star review from Mike D twenty seven, and he says. The fact that they have so many reviews and a five-star rating speaks for itself. These guys are great, and I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Yeah, they're homers and occasionally get off topic, but even when they digress to something like Star Wars, it's still hilarious and a good listen. They give great analysis on Georgia football, everything from recruiting to game previews and even some tailgating experiences. As a recent alumnus living away from Athens, this podcast feels like home. Give it a try, and I promise you'll be hooked. Also, as an added bonus, Will sounds a lot like David Spade, so I picture him as Richard from Tommy Boy, which makes the whole thing even more enjoyable. I raise a glass of bourbon to you, gentlemen. Keep up the good work and go dogs. <laughs> well, I'm glad that Mike D27 enjoys the podcast, even if I have frankly never felt more emasculated. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm just glad. I'm glad. God, I'm glad it's like Tony doesn't sound like Chris Farley. So I look like him. Uh, <laughs> I did my best Batman in a little coat. Well, Lottie freaking die. <laughs> Lottie freaking die. So on that note, I guess we'll uh, wrap this uh, post-Liberty Bowl, I don't know, whatever bowl matchup podcast up. So go dogs. Is that what we're supposed to say now since it's gone off the I rails? So. I think so. But they always do. Uh, happy 2017, everyone. Let me be better than 2016 and go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. That's our promise to you. Leave us an iTunes review and I'll read it at some point on this podcast. Special thanks goes out to Mike D for such a humorous and well thought out review. I did mention that there was another review that I had tweeted out earlier in the week. It comes from a listener named Hart1976, and he or she said, quote, Y'all's podcast is the best UGA podcast out there, at least what I've found, but I'm not very active on the interwebs. So I look forward to every bit of every new episode, even the nonsense. Hope to hear y'all over the offseason, and I hope to run into y'all at some point on a Saturday in Athens. And of course, go dogs. Thanks so much, Hart1976. I hope we get to run into you also in Athens. 
And like Will mentioned in the episode, the basketball team has two very important games this week. South Carolina is on Wednesday, and Missouri comes to town on Saturday. So let's get on campus, fill up Stegman, and support these guys, and Coach Fox as well. As for the show, we'll be back soon, I can say. Soon is debatable. Um, At the very least, we'll put out some micro-content after the National Championship game because Mr. Leach will be attending the National Championship game in Tampa. So in order to keep up with us, find our show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us by searching at WSLS Podcast. And that's it. I hope 2017 or 2017, whatever you want to call it, is great for all of y'all and the dogs, of course. We will see you on campus very soon. Take care.